Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission, joins us. Rafi, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Neil. How are you? Rafi, uh, doing well. Rafi, it's been reported that the NOPD confiscated 70 firearms and that the Louisiana State Police seized 64 uh, weapons during the course of Mardi Gras for a total of about 134 weapons seized. That represents about 10 percent of the size of the jail. That's a huge number. All right. So it shows, you know, every every week we release our crime stats and we've seen last year. Uh, the violent crime rate go down. And I believe that a major part of that reduction that we experienced last year that's being carried over into this year is the fact that last year and continuing this year, the NOPD uh, and their partners that are helping to police the city, uh, in large part the Louisiana State Police, have focused their efforts on some proactive policing strategies that include weapons enforcement, So we began to track the numbers of weapons arrests that have been made uh, in the city of New Orleans going back to January of 2023. And as you pointed out, uh, just during the first 14 days of February, which essentially encompassed Mardi Gras this season, uh, there were 137 weapons arrests. And that that, uh, translated to 143 weapons or guns being seized in those 137 arrests. And 48 of those 137 uh, weapons arrests were for weapons felonies. So the people that are committing crimes of violence and and many of the people committing uh, the automobile burglaries and automobile thefts are armed with firearms. So what the police department has done over the past year and some change is go back, uh, return to proactive strategies that include firearms enforcement. So that is something that can be an effective strategy in certain parts of town, like the French Quarter and, and, and some of the festivals and along parade routes. Officers are trained to, to look for Uh, the outline of a weapon under someone's clothing. And if they can see what appears to be a weapon uh, in their clothing, uh, they can go up and ask them if they are carrying a weapon. And if they respond yes, they ask them if they have a permit to carry it concealed. And if they respond no, they can begin to make the arrest. And those misdemeanor investigations that proceed to misdemeanor arrests 
often uh, are the uh, portal to developing information about felony arrests. So some of those people that were carrying concealed weapons, which is a misdemeanor under Louisiana law, uh, they turn out to be convicted felons. Those firearms may be stolen. Those firearms could be fully automatic. Uh, there could be warrants for those individuals. So by using the uh, firearms enforcement proactive strategy, not only is the police department uh, making the community safer, uh, they're taking firearms out of, out of the hands of individuals that are also going to be involved in other forms of crime as well. So this strategy, I think, is something that is often overlooked. And in fact, this strategy may be threatened during this special crime session because there is legislation being offered that will uh, make it make Louisiana a constitutional carry, meaning that anybody over the age of 18 can carry a gun uh, concealed without a permit, without any training. So if that becomes the case, you're essentially taking and removing this tool away from law enforcement that has been, I believe, a critical component in driving down the violent crime rate in the city of New Orleans. Yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly clear as to why this has become an issue that they want to have on, in, in this crime session. Um, it, 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 it's beyond me because I, I agree with you. It removes a, a critical strategy uh, that, that police have in establishing reasonable suspicion and, and, or, and or probable cause in, in making these stops, right? Exactly. Exactly. So... Again, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but, you know, you look at the numbers in the city of New Orleans, and we may be different than other cities, but I guarantee you in Louisiana, at certain festivals and other things, law enforcement use these tools, maybe not to the numbers that they do in the city of New Orleans, but this is, uh, you know, one of the uh, important components of any proactive policing strategy because you don't have to wait for 911 to be called to do firearms enforcement. You don't uh, necessarily have to wait until somebody takes the gun out and shoots it uh, before having to, to respond to a more tragic event. And, you know, this has been an effective strategy in the city of New Orleans for over a year now. And we may be on the cusp of, of losing it uh, if this legislation passes in this session. Well, we're not too terribly different than Baton Rouge. They have their, their violent crime issues and gun issues there. Same with Shreveport, same with Monroe, same with Lafayette, same with Alexandria. We're not terribly yeah. different at all. You know, right. I mean, you know, I, I study the crime perspective in all of those cities. I look at it all the time. We're not we're not terribly different. Uh, what's going to happen, and it's going to be a tragedy, is that you know as well as I, we're going to start passing exceptions to that rule. So you can't have a concealed handgun within so many feet of a school, so many feet of an ABO, so many feet of a parade route, so many feet of this, so many feet of that. And it, 
the revised statute is going to be riddled with exceptions with every case that is a high-profile case that reveals itself from now in, in perpetuity. Uh, and then ultimately, 20 years from today, the bill will be, you know, the law will be watered down to nothing. So we, in my view, we just soon leave it the way it is. If you're serious about wanting to carry a concealed handgun, you ought to be serious enough to go through the training, to go through the process in order to get a concealed carry permit. I agree completely. I mean, think about it for a second. Uh, you know, if you want to drive a car, you have to pass a driving test. Sure. And the test is is not uh, designed to disqualify people. It's designed to make people understand what how to operate a car safely and in compliance with the laws. So, as you just pointed out, there will be people that, if this legislation passes, that start to carry concealed weapons that are totally unaware of some of the restrictions that will be in place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and to think for a second that we would let somebody drive a car without a license, why would you want someone to carry a firearm? Look at the training that law enforcement has to go through uh, to be able to properly deploy a firearm and use it in a, in a safe manner and a responsible manner. I'm not but, saying that. And even know, and she, even worse yet, and even worse yet, let me make the observation and just make the admission and we still screw up. Sure. We, sure. we hit un, unintended targets. <laughs> we, we, we miss the, the intended target repeatedly. Um, you know, uh, we have accidental discharges repeatedly sure. across this country, and we are already going through all of this training. Exactly. Exactly. So training is not a bad thing. Training is a good thing, and this legislation would basically remove the requirement of any training before you operate a firearm. So before you can get a license to be a beautician or to work on fingernails, uh, uh, to open a restaurant, you have to have a license. You have to be trained. If you want to be a realtor, you have to know what the rules are. So why would we want to give anyone over the age of 18 carte blanche to carry a concealed weapon? with absolutely no training. Yeah. And and you could and I haven't seen the the, the, the no one's seen the total bill um flushed out yet, but it could be under our rule of law, you're innocent until proven guilty. You can have active felony charges in court without a conviction and you would not run afoul of that concealed carry uh law. Because oh, if, if they infringe upon that right, it's going to be unconstitutional and it's going to be an ultimate problem. So you could be arrested, go to jail, bail out, walk out, grab a gun, carry it concealed, and, and you will not be violative of anything. So under the existing law right now, anybody can carry a gun long as it's visible. Mm-hmm. So if you want to strap on a holster... And, you know, like the old West days and and have it there. You want to strap your your rifle over your shoulder and walk down the street. You can do that under the law right now. But, you know, there's a difference and a distinction with respect to open carry and concealed carry. 
Under Louisiana law right now, if you carry a concealed weapon, you have to be licensed. Additionally, the people that are licensed have to go through certain background checks by the Louisiana State Police. And, you know, people will argue and assume that if you own a firearm, you had to register it and, and go through certain uh, criteria with background checks to, to own that weapon. But we, we, you and I know, and, and most people in law enforcement and the general public realizes that not everybody that has firearms obtain them uh, through buying them from a, a registered gun dealer. So I just think that I'm hoping that some common sense will prevail uh, in this session with respect to this. There's a lot of good legislation that's being offered, but this is one that I think are going to have some unintended but potentially dire consequences and create more problems than they pose solutions to public safety. No doubt. One of the important things about these gun arrests, uh, Rafi, and we don't have to look back in the too distant past to understand that um, the NOPD and state police arrests are only as good as their prosec- as the prosecution. I would assume that you guys will be watching these cases. Well, absolutely. I mean, so last week we were talking about last Mardi Gras. I'm not talking about 2024, but 2023 where the police department uh, on Mardi Gras uh, Eve arrested about 15 people on on weapons offenses. And the district attorney's office at their first appearance sent in the chief of the Civil Rights Division, Emily Ma, and she summarily, during the bail setting process, refused charges in 15 cases without the benefit of police report. One of those was an individual that uh, had uh, was being prosecuted for criminal uh, felony weapons and drug offenses in the state of Tennessee that had come here and was arrested in possession of a fully automatic firearm. She refused those charges, sent him back to to uh, to Tennessee, but he had to leave his automatic weapon, and he thanked her for sending her back. But because we were notified of that, we alerted the federal authorities, and that case was adopted in federal court. And uh, late last month, he pled guilty to uh, federal uh, um, charges relating to possessing a fully automatic weapon and was sentenced to 20 months uh, in a federal penitentiary for that. So those weapons offenses, you know, are, uh, as I pointed out, uh, during the, the first 14 days of February, there were 137 arrests. 48 of those were for, for felonies. That means that those are felons in possession of a firearm. Some of those would have been fully automatic weapons. Some of those would have been individuals uh, that uh, had felony uh, warrants for their arrests for crimes of violence. So that firearms enforcement is a largely overlooked but critically important strategy that is important to law enforcement agencies to better protect and serve the people of the community that they're serving. Could this be a case of first instance where uh, Attorney General Liz Murrell prosecutes these weapons cases? 
Well, sure. So under the Cooperative Endeavor Agreement that was executed between the New Orleans District Attorney's Office and the Louisiana Attorney General's Office, uh, the agreement provides that if the arrest was made by the Louisiana State Police or if the Louisiana State Police were part of a uh, task force that uh, was overseeing uh, that, that initiative, that the Attorney General's office has the authority to prosecute. So that is significant in that under the current laws of Louisiana, the Attorney General's office has no right of prosecution unless and until the local prosecutor recuses themselves or refers the matter to them. So this is an historic agreement that was executed, the first of its type in Louisiana, to the best of my knowledge, where a local DA, you know, Jason Williams in New Orleans, in part in recognition of the violent crime problem in the city of New Orleans, and uh, you have, you know, a Republican governor that promised that he was going to provide a permanent police, state police troop in the city of New Orleans, to better protect all of the citizens of the city. This troop is not going to be deployed exclusively in the French Quarter. It's going to be uh, given authority to police anywhere within the corporate limits of the city of New Orleans. So the fact that the district attorney's office and attorney general's office and essentially the governor have recognized that the police department is understaffed that there is a violent crime problem. The district attorney's office also has some staffing issues. And the agreement between the attorney general and the district attorney's office is historic in that this is the first instance where the DA has given the authority to the attorney general's office to come in and prosecute any and every case without a recusal, without any Anything else by the district attorney's office, they have a written agreement. Anytime the arrest is made by the state police or any component of the state police, then the attorney general's office has the authority to, to prosecute. Let's hope these felony arrests are put on the, on the fast track. We've got to get to a break. We're visiting with Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces. Pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Uh, Rafi, the governor issued an executive order declaring a state of emergency due to officer shortage in Louisiana. Uh, it was uh, done uh, to kind of circumvent RS-14-139 regarding payroll padding prohibition. Your thoughts? Right. So last Friday, the governor issued that executive order. And basically, by issuing that executive order, it suspended the uh, application uh, of the prohibition under that revised statute that prohibits payroll padding. So what that legislation or what that statute says is that uh, sheriff's offices cannot increase their staff by more than 5% in the first six months after an election, and or can they increase their operating costs by more than 15% during that six-month period of time. So what that executive order was issued for was to allow the sheriffs to hit the ground running immediately to try and build up their numbers because just at it is, as it is very obvious and, and uh, uh, the general person on the street in the city of New Orleans knows of the acute shortage of police officers in the city of New Orleans, the same thing applies statewide and nationwide. So under the law, uh, if the sheriff's office uh, offered raises to their existing staff to slow down attrition, uh, then they may run afoul of that state statute that bars increasing the overall operating cost by 15% in the first six months after. So this basically enables the sheriffs to do what's necessary to begin to slow down their attrition rate and to increase their, their hiring to address uh, the acute shortage of staffing that they they have virtually in in most parishes of the state of Louisiana. Yeah, uh, and I just, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me about this, so I went and revisited uh, uh, Title 14, 139.1, and, and I thought it worked this way. It's really trying to prevent an outgoing uh, sheriff from really political padding, because if you're an incumbent sheriff and you've been reelected, you're, you're exempted uh, from this. Um, uh, law, and um, so it, it's not as quite as far-reaching as a lot of people think it it is. Uh, so to give you an example, uh, it wouldn't apply in Jefferson. It wouldn't apply in St. Bernard, Plaquemines, St. Tammany, St. John, St. Charles, and Lafouche because those are all incumbents that have been reelected. Um, mm-hmm. It would like in the parish of Tangipahoe because you have a new incoming sheriff, Daniel Edwards. Uh, decided not to run for re-election so you had a new sheriff coming in but it 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 really is about the outgoing uh person not being able to pad the payroll raise you know because they don't take office until july 1 uh their term of office runs uh from july to june most offices uh take take place in 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 uh january and there's not as long of a lame duck and that's because of the tax collection season um, that sheriffs and other elected officials that deal with with uh, taxes uh, take office later 
uh, in the year. So I just wanted to make that distinction because I think a lot of people were kind of confused um, by the uh, executive order. But there are some sheriffs that are that would be impacted uh, by this that, um, you know, that that want to do the right thing. They may be outgoing, uh, but are really prohibited from doing it. Right. And, and I think that, you know, there's also by issuing this order, I think uh, it has brought the public's attention to the staffing deficiencies of many of the uh, sheriff's offices in the state of Louisiana. Some of the legislation that's being offered in this special session will be directed to try and uh, make it more attractive for people to pursue careers in law enforcement. So uh, one of the the uh, uh, bills that are being offered would would do offer some additional protections to law enforcement officers while performing their jobs. Uh, so sort of strengthening some of the immunity provi- provisions that are afforded to law enforcement uh, officers that uh, many officers are leaving uh, the, uh, the the workforce because they're they're concerned that their actions may expose them and their families to civil litigation and judgments and and that is uh, a deterrent to people remaining in the profession and entering the profession. So that'll be I think one of the legislative uh, bills that will will be presented during this session. Rafi, you raised concerns about one of the items on on the call for this special session. Do you have any concerns about any other items on on the call as proposed by the governor? I haven't read all of them uh, yet. Uh, I plan on doing it this afternoon. But there are there's two in there that. Uh, that I've I've reviewed and and I agree with completely. One is the truth in in sentencing package. So I think that one of the uh, one of the bills that's being offered deals with truth in sentencing. So one of the big problems that we've experienced since 2017, when the uh, criminal justice reform legislation was passed is that the objective of of that was to reduce the numbers of inmates in the penitentiary. And the illogical person that approved that and supported that believed that you would reduce the inmate population by reducing crime. And what we've actually seen is that uh, the way that that legislation actually worked is that it didn't necessarily require crime to be reduced. It just meant that if you were convicted of an offense, you would receive additional good time and potentially lower sentences and get out of the penitentiary even quicker. So before that legislation was passed, there were 35,000 inmates in the Department of Corrections. The legislation was passed in 2017 or went into effect in 2017. And by the end of, or September of 23, the 35,000 inmates that were in custody on December the 31st of 2016, the numbers had reduced to 28,000 
258 inmates. So what we're seeing is that the inmate population, 80% of the Department of Corrections inmates that are in custody have three or more felony convictions. And over 62% of the inmates that are in the Department of Corrections are in the Department of Corrections for a felony crime of violence. So 12.4% of the inmates in custody are for property crimes, 12.6% for drugs. So it's very hard, if not impossible, to get sentenced to penitentiary time for a first or a second property crime or drug offense. And if you're in custody uh, serving time for a drug offense or a property offense and you pled guilty, there is uh, more than, uh, it's more likely than not that you have prior felony convictions. And when you agreed to pled guilty or plead guilty to a drug or property offense, the district attorney's office reduced the charges in agreement to you serving a certain amount of time. Many of the plea agreements were individuals charged with crimes of violence or more serious property and drug offenses that were allowed to plead to lesser offenses. But the average person that is charged with drug possession or property offense, their first and second uh, felony charges, you're not going to the penitentiary. And the statistics that have been documented, or at least released by the Department of Corrections, that 80% of the current inmate population of 28,000-plus inmates are in custody for three or more felony convictions. That's, those are repeat violent offenders and or repeat property or drug offenders. But, and we also know that you know, criminals aren't specialists. They're generalists. So they may be caught with uh, or arrested and convicted of a property crime, but if they have violence in their background, there's a good chance that, uh, you know, by taking those people out of, uh, off the streets, you're actually reducing crime uh, in, in those communities. So I think that the truth in sentencing legislation is going to now require that inmates have to serve at least 85% of their sentence, they can still and will still accumulate good time for that. But that, you know, the old way that we were doing it wasn't producing the desired results. And I think that that legislation will be critically important. The other bit of legislation that I think is going to be somewhat controversial is consolidating the public defender's uh, uh, um, uh, operations under the governor, moving it from underneath a, a board. So the public defender's office is funded by user fees, which are uh, assessments that are made in, 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 in criminal cases, including traffic but also in large part by appropriations by the state of Louisiana. So the public defenders in the state of Louisiana uh, represent uh, uh, substantial numbers of indigents, probably about 85% of the 
offenders that go through the criminal justice system are deemed to be indigent. So the operating budget for the public defender's office uh, is critically important in providing legal representation to them. And there is an issue with respect to the fact that because the pay is low for public defenders uh, and for capital cases that experience public defenders, people usually don't stick around to acquire the training and expertise and competency to handle capital offenses. So what the Public Defender's Office has done is they have privatized some of the criminal defense work that's done in capital cases to private law firms. And as they've done that, uh, it's created a substantial imbalance in their, uh, their funding mechanisms to represent their entire client base. So you have a few private law firms that are paid over $7.5 million to represent a little over 100 to 120 uh, inmates charged with, with capital offenses. So what the uh, Public Defenders Board would like to do is to be able to pay their officer or pay their, 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 their attorneys more money, they stick around longer, they get capital experience and competency, and you don't have to privatize that and spend that amount of money. So one of the I served on the governor's task force uh, transition, and that was one of the areas that was addressed, and there's legislation being offered this session that will consolidate that under the governor and allow for the executive director to essentially run that office in a more fiscally uh, uh, sound manner than what is currently the place right now. All right, we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back, folks. We are visiting with Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Rafi, we have a few minutes left. Um, I was wondering your observations just in, in summary of um, Mardi Gras and how that was handled. Well, uh, you know, the, the, the best news is, you know, take a look at what happened at the, uh, the Chief Super Bowl celebration parade. We didn't experience anything like that. So I think that, you know, we just got finished talking about, you know, what the police department is doing differently to reduce violent crime. And I think by any measure or standards, this year's Mardi Gras, from a public safety uh, perspective, was uh, a home run. Uh, there were little to, uh, I, I'm not aware, uh, I can't recall any major incidents that occurred during parade routes. Uh, there were, uh, you know, very little uh, violent crime in the French Quarter. I think early Mardi Gras morning, the day after Mardi Gras, there was a three-person shot. We had a couple of, I think we had a total of four homicides in the city Mardi Gras weekend, none along the parade routes. So February's violent crime rates are continuing the trends that we've seen over the past several years, reducing even further. So I think Mardi Gras was, from a public safety perspective, a resounding success. And I think in, in large part it's due to the combined efforts, not just of the police department, Louisiana State Police, and every other agency that was in, in town assisting New Orleans, as well as the people of the city of New Orleans, that I think have uh, stepped up their game. And I think that, uh, you know, both the police department and the public deserve, uh, uh, you know, uh, an attaboy for job well done during Mardi Gras. No, I would agree. I, I think it, it, it went well. Um, and um, I, I continue to hear that Chief Kirkpatrick is great on the follow-through and the follow-up on any number of issues, and I think more and more people appreciate that, and I'm hearing, uh, and I'm sure you are as well. Uh, for the first time in a long time, the vast majority of officers I come in contact with uh, speaking positive of the chief. Absolutely. So I make a point. Every time I talk to an officer after they're finished you know, whatever we initially began to talk about, asking what are your impressions of the superintendent? And I haven't gotten one person uh, giving negative feedback. They're impressed. One of the things I noticed during Mardi Gras was that she was everywhere, <laughs> and she yeah. was having fun, and her officers were having fun too, and I think the public appreciates that. So I think that uh, you know, she has been a real boost to morale of the police department, 
And that's in large part because of the experience that she brings to the equation and just her her uh, effervescence and, and obvious enjoyment of the job that she's been appointed to do. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, no one appreciates her more than the men and women of the police department. Yeah, we certainly don't have to be miserable in order to do this job, right? No, no, no. It, it helps that you like what you're doing. She obviously loves what she's doing. No doubt about that. Uh, as always, this hour flies by. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. You too. Take care. Bye. It's Rafael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. So, folks, the uh, crime session starts today. I think the governor will be addressing the Louisiana legislature at 1 p.m. and will go on for a period of 16 days to follow today. So it'll be interesting to see there are... 24 items in the call, uh, some far-reaching, as we just discussed with Raphael Goyaneci. So we'll continue to update you on the progress uh, of the bills that have been filed within those subject matters. When we come back after the top, top of the break news, Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, We'll talk about a number of things, uh, Bitcoin. We'll talk about commercial real estate problems at the New York Community Bank. EV sales are slow. What does that mean? And progressives sue to block ads. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 